Hey, Carl here to say that Music to Code By is now an app called Music to Flow By. Now you can listen to the tracks on your phone with offline capability. The first three tracks are free, and the entire catalog is available by subscription with a new track arriving every month. Just go to musictoflowby.com for all the links. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Still in the terrarium in Seattle. We like it here. Yeah. It's our friendly place. We feel safe. I do kind of feel like a newt in a cage, though. Uh, you know, it's you very humid me into here. You a newt. <laughs> I got better. <laughs> it's a little bit humid. There's mealworms in the corner. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> you talking? I don't know. It's the last day of bills. Exactly. You know, last day. This is our last show. Dude, yeah. Right. Start the show. <laughs> My coffee clearly isn't working. Uh, so we have, uh, of course, uh, Michaela Hutchinson here. We're going to talk about all the stuff that she's been up to. But first, we have something interesting to talk about. It's called Better Know Framework. All right, dude, what do you got? This is a pretty cool video, and oh. I know that you're watching it right now. you got to sort of uh, scroll into it about I'm a big fan minutes. of Dustin and Smarter Every Day. So yeah, Smarter Every Day. As soon as I day. saw that you, you had him in, I'm like, oh, it's awesome. So it's a cool. haptic glove. And wow, inspired. it's not pretty. <laughs> no, no, it looks like. Yeah, you are wearing Borg on your arm. That's right. It looks like a Klingon weapon accessory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but basically, you know. Geiger uh, would have looked at this guy, you've gone too far. <laughs> uh, I read Ready Player One. I'm sure you did, yeah, too. Yeah, of course. And I haven't seen the movie, though. Yeah, I haven't seen the movie. But uh, the, the haptic gloves were sort of featured prominently you know, in there. Important part of making VR yeah. really that thing. You know, they talk about a lot of that nausea from VR is that you don't see your hand. Right. So yeah. bringing your hands in, but also giving your hands the sensations. Mm. It's pretty powerful stuff. So clearly people are building it. Yeah, and they have this little model where there's a little farm and uh, you can squeeze the, the, the clouds to make it rain and make sunflowers grow. You and know you what can this pick means up now. rocks and chuck them. If they've got a haptic glove. No. It means that anybody can have a haptic cow. I knew you were going to bring up the haptic cow. <laughs> oh, Years the haptic ago, cow. on a very different show, <laughs> when we were finding bad things on the internet. No, you were finding bad things on the internet. It was my job. That's <laughs> right. There was a veterinary training device called the haptic cow. <laughs> That's amazing. It was for uh, you know everybody needs because you don't want to get yeah. nobody wants to hurt the cow. You know you want to yeah. actually learn. So how do you? Pal now the funny part, of course, is that I have my the family in New Zealand. They have a dairy farm. Yeah. And so you know they don't just give milk forever. You have to let them have calves. And the only way to be sure they have calves is to get inseminated. And if you actually make the bull do the work. Mm -hmm. Bulls injure cows, and mm. so artificial insemination is the normal practice right. for yep. you know preparing your dairy cows. And so we'll just leave it th at that. <laughs> there I is think. it requires some <laughs> haptic <laughs> work. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, I thought this was a really cool <laughs> video. Very cool. Yeah, I said it's got nothing to do with cows at no, all. No, I, no, I have no. hijacked your awesome talk. I forgive you. I, for, I, for, <laughs> I forgive you yes. and forget you. I, I I apologize. I feel bad. I don't feel that bad. I feel a little bad. <laughs> 
I'm sorry, people. We'll try so, to be more professional. Doing our best. We're professionals here. Okay. <laughs> 1,540 shows. We almost have this figured out. Who's talking to us today, Richard? Gravity Comment Off of Show 1540, oddly enough. One on building UI on the web using we, that's O-O-U-I, yes. with Frank Kruger, who's been yep. here with us in the podcasting yep. space doing Pleasure to meet shows him. for a great guy. Huh? Yeah. yeah, he works uh, on Merge Conflict. Yep. With our friend, our mutual friend, all of our friends, James Montemagno. Yes. And uh, lots of great comments. Of course, Wii's amazing. Yes, it Astonishing is. technology. And you can see the reaction to, the, to that, the brilliance of Frank in these comments. Uh, Juan Pablo Taquino said, something that might be easy to miss because of the excited discussion about the WebAssembly side of this is the other way that Wii handles page rendering and flow. Frank mentioned that we could also render the final HTML on the server side, somewhat approaching the problem of web app development like ASP.NET Web Forms did, or at least attempted to, mm -hmm. but this time with WebSockets. Mm -hmm. Ironically, given all the excitement about the client-side rendering, there are groups even in the JavaScript world that recognize that some scenarios are better handled by rendering on the server side, and certainly you can look at some of the stuff that React.js has done recently around yeah. doing server-side rendering as an example. So kudos to Frank for addressing both sides of the rendering issue. And we really didn't explore server-side rendering. No, we didn't. We were, you know, Juan calls us out. We were totally smitten with client-side we rendering. We were just blown away. Totally. And, and of course, everything WebAssembly seems to be super cool these days. Yeah. So uh, Juan, thanks for injecting a little reality into our conversation. And happy to hook you up with a copy of Music to Code By. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code By, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or via any of our social media. Because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code By. And uh, yeah, it's music and you can code by it. That's I've what done it is. That. I've been there. Yeah. It was a great experience. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. We palpate them. <laughs> With our haptic gloves. <laughs> <laughs> I got a good grip on that, twi uh, that Twitter. And now I'm going <laughs> to... I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to move on. Wouldn't that be cool if you could actually feel data? Feel you know? the internet? Yeah. Oh. Feel the internet. There you go. Dot com. A little internet growth. Don't go there. Okay. Please. Ben. All yeah, right. Yeah, you know, you, know you know what it's going to take to make that haptic glove really real, huh? No. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. So, <laughs> Michaela Hutchinson is here. She's a program manager on Visual Studio for Mac and the Xamarin platform. She's been working on mobile and web developer tools for more than a decade and is passionate about user experience and inclusivity. In her free time, she enjoys game development and silversmithing. That takes a steady hand. Like, mm. that's not easy. It's, and you're talking to the guy with the big burn on his arm right now. Oh, how did that happen? <laughs> uh, let's not, I'd rather not oh. talk about it. Uh, He's been, you know, it see, is, there was it's this a, cow. It's and, a, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's and a it, cook's burn. Uh -huh. The dude's been cooking constantly for the stuff he's been doing over on Two Keto Dudes. Yeah, and as soon right. as I saw it, it's like, that is a cook's burn. Yeah. Right? You, you're doing so much, you finally drag your arm across I something. Was, I was using a torch to flambe some creme brulee, and it accidentally slipped over onto my... No, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrestling a shark. It's like, now you stuck your arm on something hot. So tell me about silversmithing. What's, why, did, why were you drawn to that? Um, I really enjoy the way that it combines kind of the artistic side of designing things and the technical side of 
of figuring out how to turn them into real things yeah. and then fabricating them. It, it is a problem that we, we only organize electrons. Every so often, you actually want to move some protons around as well. Uh, so I noticed mm -hmm. the pendant on yeah, your chain. I, Did you make that, the Visual Studio pendant? Logo? Uh, yes, I made that for the Visual Studio for Mac uh, launch last year. Nice. Wow. I made it the uh, night before my flight. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> but now you've made it purple, and you're clearly a yep. purple fan. The hair is purple, lipstick's mm -hmm. purple. Mm -hmm. Where'd the Silver's not purple. Uh, so that is purple enamel. Oh, okay. Ah. Um, so I use a, a couple of different shades of enamel to get that gradient. Um, so I started off by making kind of the base out of argentium, which is a silver alloy, silver and germanium. A yeah. little bit of that semiconductor in there gives it some interesting properties. Um, mm. It's easy to fuse it together. So I cut the logo out, fused that onto the base, and then filled it in with enamel. Cool. Wow, that's neat. Nice work. Yeah, Thanks. very well nice. So you need to wear your own stuff, too. Yeah. The Visual Studio for the Mac, are you making a pendant for that? Would it look any different, I guess? It's, that's a good question. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it would it's look more pretentious, that's for sure. Uh, there you go. Do you have to wear a <laughs> turtleneck to wear it? Is that what it is? Okay. Well, I are was, we still mocking I was, Mac people? Well, I was on. I, I was working on the expo the other day, and someone came up and told me, like, um, like, well, <laughs> you're a Mac user. That explains why you're so well dressed. There you oh, go. Nice. nice. <laughs> like, excellent. No <laughs> so, what is new in Visual Studio for Macland? Uh, so, we released a 7.5 release on Monday morning, along with the 7.6 preview. Okay. Um, and the features that that we're super excited about are that we have um, Razor in Telesense and yeah. TypeScript IntelliSense for great. all your ASP.NET Core 2 projects. Wow, that's great. And of course, Visual Studio for Mac has its origins with Xamarin. Um, it does, But yes. now, you mean you're really turning into more and more full-fledged, mm -hmm. this is studio for everything. Uh, yeah, we've been working with a lot of the other teams inside of um, the Visual Studio group. Um, so the Razor and TypeScript functionality were ported over by the same teams that built them for the Windows version. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. They have a broader team working on it, and it's yep. just like it's becoming Visual Studio. It does all of the things. Mm -hmm. Do you also? Can you also build Mac desktop apps with it? Uh, yes. So you can use a Xamarin Mac, which is yeah. a C sharp binding to to the Mac Cocoa mm. APIs, and that's based on the same technology as Xamarin iOS. Um, very good. Mac is just another yep. one of the options. Yep. And we, we, we actually use that to build uh, VS for Mac itself. I like that. You know, oh, I've been saying this a good. few times over the course of the past few days. It's like every time I see Microsoft consuming their own stuff, mm -hmm. making it better as a consequence, you know, we're, we all benefit. If you're not willing to consume it, then how, yep. why should we? Right. So that's cool. That's I've always found, better. though, that you, you sort of have to have some cursory knowledge of how to build Mac desktop software. If you're a Windows guy, you know, and coming into, oh, I want to build a Mac version of this uh, desktop app. It's not, it's not like WinForms. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah. Well, th that is something we're very passionate about is making sure that we have something that feels like it belongs on macOS. Because mm. um, folks who use Macs uh, are using them because they like that experience. So sure. we want it to fit, to fit into that experience and behave the way that they, that they expect. Can we talk a little bit? Because I'm... I haven't used any Mac software in years now. Mm. What are the metaphorical differences? What, what makes a Mac app a Mac app versus a Windows app? Like, last time I heard, you guys have more than one mouse button now, so <laughs> clearly you're out of control. 
Yeah, well, most folks use uh, use uh, MacBooks, so you have the yeah, you just the, have touchpad. The, the the touchpad with the two finger click. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right click is right click is pretty common now. Um, so one of the main differences is is that you only have one instance of of each um, app. So so on Windows, for example, you might open up three different copies of an app for different um, for different things you have open mm -hmm. sure. in, in it. Whereas on the Mac, you just get the one dock icon, which is your app, and then one window for each of the things you have open in that. Um, there's also all of the key bindings are different. There's right. a command and and uh, control and opt keys. Um, there's also uh, even things like on Windows, you're used to finding tools options, and on Mac, it's the app ne the the menu with the name of the app, then preferences. Right. Um, so a lot. A, a lot of folks coming to Mac for the first time get tripped up by some of those. Right. You, just don't, you don't realize those metaphors that are embedded in your brain. You're just used to looking in certain places, and they're not there, and then you're yep. lost. Right. Yeah, those are those are the more like obvious fundamental ones, but there are a lot of like smaller scale ones, just in the ways that like tab focus behaves between controls and just like yeah, the focus scale. shifting. Yep. Drag and drop. Yep. Pretty much behave it's the same or different? It, drag and drop is pretty much the same. Okay. Um, yeah. So the I mean, Finder is like the Windows Explorer. Right. And, yeah. It, it's, it's more naming differences than it is being really that different. Although, just in the generally the relationship with files in a Mac different from the relationship with files in Windows? I got to tell you, I, I, I used to know a lot of Apple people who didn't even know what a file was and... They, they just, don't, just don't think they that don't way. work with they don't work with a file system they work yeah. with documents that's that that is true for a lot of Mac apps it's not really something you can get away from when you're programming mm. um, right. because you know you have your project with all the files in it yeah. yeah yeah so it's not it's not like that for devs right no matter what you're programming I in, still have to use um, well have to I use the Mac side of my MacBook for any time I want to do video streaming. Because the Thunderbolt interface and the hardware that supports it, like the Black Magic Designs things, <laughs> there's nothing that can touch them on yeah. the Windows side. Still the best. Yeah, they're just great. Yeah, and the, it's sort of the base. You know, you're gonna compare Windows Movie Maker to you know GarageBand and tools like that. They yeah. just the default set for Mac. They well, always Adobe set the bar sort of there. owns all of the creative stuff, and they have pretty much attained parity between the Mac yeah. versions and the Windows versions. Yeah, once versions. upon a time, if you cared about Photoshop, you had to have a Mac. That's yeah. not true anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so the balance is a little bit different. Uh, I guess that part of the challenge there, if you're going to build actual Mac software in Studio for Mac, is you've just got to think through, is this got the right metaphors? Is this something a Mac person is going to like? Or say, a Windows person built this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's... It's 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 not really dissimilar to writing mobile apps for iOS and Android, sure. where you have different idioms and behaviors and expectations Control on the different locations platforms. And, and speaking of yeah. that, the the mobile development experience with Xamarin on Visual Studio for the Mac is really the experience, from what I hear. It's a much better experience than Visual Studio for Windows, partly in most mostly in part, I think, because that's Miguel's preferred development environment <laughs> for iOS. <laughs> So you're bound to have uh, just more that, a better experience. That that may have been true at one time, but oh, okay. um, but we've been investing very heavily in the Windows side um, mm. to try and make sure that they do have a, a similarly great experience on both sides. Yeah. So what's new in the in the mobile space, the Xamarin space on Visual Studio Code? 
Um, so in our latest release, uh, we now have support for automatic provisioning of iOS devices. So you, you, no, you no longer have to like download provisioning profiles and configure those on oh, the portal. That's nice. Um, you can just like set your team and it will confi configure those and download and install them for you. And when you change entitlements for your app, for example, it'll update the provisioning profile to have the new entitlements. Oh, that's great. So it's really simplified that because that was kind of something that no one really understood. Right. <laughs> Um, Not even yeah. Apple, probably. <laughs> yeah, there was li there there were literally like two or three people on our team who who understood that, um, but now now you don't have to understand it, which is That's <laughs> which really is good. a big improvement. Yeah, I, I thought that was a bit of ceremony when I was you know first using it. And is that just for like finalizing to send to the store? Or is that actually part of your normal yeah, you can't mobile dev cycle yeah. on doing iOS? Device? It's 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 for the dev cycle. Right. Um, like you do need a provisioning profile that's been signed by Apple to be able to deploy the uh, the app to the device and run it there. Mm -hmm. um, we also have support for the new um, free Apple um, Apple development account, so you can do uh, iOS development without paying for an Apple subscription now. Nice. Um, you you would still need one to publish, mm -hmm. but at least you can get started with that. Well, and it's all about that. getting around that iteration quicker. Are the iOS emulators good enough that you don't really need to test on the phone, or is it important to get on a phone? They they are they are very good, but it's. It's called a simulator because it's not actually it's not emulating actually an a device. Um, yeah. It's it's literally just running the iOS controls on macOS. Mm. Right. Um, so so the performance characteristics are very different. Mm -hmm. um, You're not really uh, getting a yeah. good feel of what it's going to be like on the phone. Uh, yeah, and you can't even like interact in the same way if you want to test out like how the touchscreen UI behaves because Mac. Macs don't have touchscreens. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's getting weird yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> unless you're using Visual Studio for Windows, where our iOS simulator, which we remote from the Mac to Windows over that uh, Mac host yes, con connection, if you have a Windows machine with a touchscreen, you can interact with the simulator with that touchscreen. It's yeah. super cool. I remember Miguel demoing that at a yep. build. Was it two years ago or something? Yeah, yep. and it was all about. And he actually described it as, <laughs> "I'm trying not to swivel my chair as much." Yeah. But the idea that you had a better yep. iOS dev experience on Windows, you sort of thinking, "How did we get here? Mm. This is weird." But yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to take for Mac to finally make a touchscreen. Mm -hmm. Like, come on! I don't know. <laughs> it, it sounds like they don't want to. It seems to me they don't want to compete with their iPads and all of those other things. Well, isn't the rumor it. now that they're just going to let macOS go entirely and it's going to be iOS in a, in a desktop format, in a laptop format? I've heard a lot of different rumors, but I, I, I honestly don't know anything about what well, they're doing there. <laughs> yeah, Apple's not one to provide rumors, right? So who knows yeah. where stuff's coming yeah, from? They knows. keep it pretty close to the chest. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if do. that actually comes to pass. Yeah. Hey, you know, you give Microsoft credit. They've pretty much stuck to making one operating system. And, and clearly Multiple Apple's flavors. making two, at least two. Mm. So and it's got to have some consequences to it. What's, is there anything new on the Android side? Uh, Visual Studio Mac? Uh, yes, on the Android side, we have um, a new uh, Android device manager, which makes it super easy to create Android emulators. Mm. And that uh, that supports uh, installing the uh, Haxam virtualization 
And so uh, with the latest version of the Google emulator, your, your devices can start up pretty much instantly, mm. which is a big, big improvement of the old like 10, 20 second, 30 second boot times. Yeah, and you are seeing emulator deliberately, not simulator. Yes. This is Android code running in a specialized environment. Yep, it's an entire like, uh, it's, an op it's an operating system running inside a hypervisor. Right, nice. So you get a fair, it seems to fail the same way even if the performance isn't completely symmetrical. Uh, yeah, you still have the same kind of um, performance. Um, it doesn't have the same performance characteristics as a device. And of course, if you want to like interact with the screen or the camera or anything, a device is still is still a, definitely something I would recommend testing with a device frequently and and definitely before you ship. Yes, <laughs> please. Do you, do you still have to um, separately manage your Android SDK versions, or does it automatically download the latest SDKs for you? That's now mostly automatic. Uh, we in, we developed our own um, Android SDK manager, and that's fully integrated. And when you open or create a, a project that uses a component you uh, don't yet have installed, it'll install that auto automatically for you now. Mm, nice. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of plumbing that we need, especially yep. with all the moving parts. Well, it still strikes me that the iterative cycle of development through an Android device is a little quicker than it is through an iOS device. Uh, Maybe for on a device, Windows. Yeah, on, on Windows, for sure, because yeah. um, on, Windo on Windows you have to remote to, to, a Mac. to the Mac. Yeah, uh, we find that a lot of developers who are targeting iOS first prefer the Mac because you kind of don't have that. Right, you don't have that extra um, jump. Yep. And that, I'm more and more, maybe it's just because I'm getting old and grouchy about this stuff. What do you mean getting? Getting yeah, nice, <laughs> thanks for that, that's great. Uh, it's that time around that cycle. You know, if I was directly supervising dev teams, especially in mobile right now, like I'd be timing that cycle. Because I think it's yeah. the basic gauge of productivity mm. for how long it takes to build features and things in, in, uh, in mobile development. Yeah, well, we do see teams where you have the folks who are, work, are working on the iOS side work on a Mac, and on the win uh, and for the Android side, they work on Windows. Right. And because you can just share the same solution across across both, it makes that really easy. Mm. That's good. Yeah, and it, did, and it does speak to if you're going to do iOS first, you really do want to be on that Mac mm -hmm. and, and work that particular way. I just went to poke at, at Xamarin Cloud, you know, that great test lab you guys have got, and now it's called... Visual Studio App Center. They actually redirect the old site onto appcenter.ms. I wonder what .ms actually is. Did Microsoft grab themselves their own TLD? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But it's... Uh, Mississippi. There you go. <laughs> Not the .ms. You, you, oh, come you, on. Okay. You, it's a joke. Huh? That's why it's funny, because it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm doing my best, man. I'm trying to keep up. You're fast today. I mean, I do the coffee do you uh have you played with app center much i mean it, obviously that's where the test cloud is there's a bunch of other things there too um yeah i've played i've played with it a bit um i mostly spend my time working on tools rather than building apps so so i don't i don't do that much um like direct app develop app development myself but sure. from from what i've seen it's a it's a really neat solution how it integrates all the things that you need for an app um, your your builds, your testing, your your data collection right. and, and analytics, uh, all in one place, and it's super easy to 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 get started with that. Um, and it seems to me that this is just sort of an essential part of that mobile development pipeline. That getting beyond just the iteration of the basic code inside your machine, 
as you start thinking about maintaining an app over time, getting some, you know, Android's still fragmented. It's not as bad as the Froyo days, mm -hmm. but it's still fragmented. You yeah, yeah, it's, sup it's, it's uh, super important um, for any app to have all that, all that stuff. Um, make sure that you're running your tests and tracking like the issues your users are seeing sure. um, out in the wild on, on devices that you might not be able to test with, with locally. I'm still using a OnePlus 3 because, I don't know, deep down I hate myself. Uh -huh. But uh, <laughs> it's far enough off the beaten path of Android now that every so often it's just an app that misbehaves. It just gets oh. kind of weird, you know? And you're like, ah, okay, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm in OnePlus. They do their own custom build of Android. Mm -hmm. It's like, go get a reference phone or Samsung. Yeah, I generally stick with a Pixel myself. Yeah, um, a bare metal Android. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't argue them. My favorite. When I think back at my favorite Android phones, it's like Nexus Four, Nexus Five. Never owned a Pixel yet. Wife's got one though. That she sure likes hers. But it's like the closer you get to what the original intended Android mm -hmm. was, the fewer problems you have. It seems. You definitely seem to get updates faster. Yeah. Um, at least. <laughs> You're sort of on, on top of that part and kind of know what's going on. Yeah. Although I think this was a previous show, but we did go down the path of, I, you know, I'm, I'm now being a Buddhist about smartphones in the sense mm -hmm. that all smartphones are suffering. <laughs> we just have to deal with it. Yep. The yeah. Just all smartphones way. suck, but they're There's still the business that we're in and the opportunities that we have and, you know, people are tethered to them. Yeah, it's really hard to get by in the world today without a smartphone. No, um, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know how they would. It's kind of nuts. But, uh, you know, there are worse problems in this world. And, uh, yeah, and as soon as you stop expecting your phone to be great, you're a lot happier. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since I gave up hope, I felt so much better. Uh, that sounds like a good state of mind. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, what about Xamarin Forms? Continue to evolve? Uh, yes, um, certainly. Uh, so there's so we've been t talking about the new Xamarin uh, Forms uh, three uh, here at Build, uh, mm -hmm. but there's also um, on the tooling side uh, in in Visual Studio for Mac, we switched uh, the, the templates over to use Net Standard two now okay. for your shared code. Um, so that enables you to access a lot more APIs from that shared code that you the, than you could from PCLs. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've also done a lot of work on improving the IntelliSense um, experience for, Z for XAML. Which is challenging. There's a lot to that. Uh, I, I do appreciate moving over to XAML standard. You know, PCL was a good idea until the number of platforms got large and, and this is actually a more efficient way to continue to grow. Yeah, the whole, like, all the different permutations of PCLs, whether they were like the intersections of different platforms, yes. meant that a lot of them ended up uh, pretty small and now we have net standard where all of all of the uh, frame, frameworks that you can use in vs for mac dot uh, uh, net core 2 mm -hmm. and 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 the 21 release candidate um, and xamarin ios xamarin android xamarin mac um, azure functions uh, unity um, 2 uh, all support net standard so you can write one library and share it across all of those platforms. And, and you can expect really it to just great. work and to be yeah. pretty code compatible with your, your studio for, for Windows guys. And yeah. they're all net standard too as well. It's interesting you mentioned Unity because of course that's like the mobile gaming tool. Sure. Yeah, it's 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 very popular and we have we have really great support for working with Unity projects. So you mm -hmm. can attach to a Unity game and debug it. Um, we have IntelliSense for all of the Unity-specific APIs. Right. 
Has, that, has Unity always been codable in the, in the Mac, or was it just a purview of Windows? Um, it's, it's been on the Mac as long as I can remember. Okay. Yeah. But now it's yep. Visual Studio for Mac's a good representative of, of Unity as well? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great way to write your Unity game code and debug it um, while you're running your game and testing it. Mm -hmm. and so. so I bet your users really love uh, TypeScript uh, IntelliSense. That must be great. Uh, do you get a lot of feedback from your users about those things? Um, we haven't had much feedback on, ty on TypeScript yet because we did just release it on Monday. Yeah, it shipped on Monday. Um, yeah, it's but, Wednesday. But yeah, the, the, the goal of that was to really round out our ASP.NET Core um, 2 uh, mm. development story. Yeah. So you can write your back end and your front ends. We have the HTML and CSS and Razor and TypeScript. So yeah, it's great. All of the pieces you need. Awesome. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Ah, it must be that happy time again. Yeah, it's time to play a little game. Guess the recipe. What am I making? Combine three Oreos, 40 grams of nougat, two marshmallows, a lollipop, half a cup of jelly beans, an ice cream sandwich, and scoop it all on top of a piece of toasted gingerbread. <laughs> Combine it all, and what do you get? Incompatibility. Diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> they are all candy. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> it's actually time to give away a D-Experience subscription from our friends at Developer Express to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. You know, everyone knows DevExpress has great desktop controls, but their web tools are awesome. They have this collection of HTML5 JavaScript controls called DevExtreme. And at the heart of the product line are these really powerful controls like grid, chart, pivot grid, tree list, and scheduler. But DevExtreme also comes with more than 50 touch-optimized client-side controls, data visualizers, navigators, editors, lists, dialogues, and notification controls, and general purpose controls like a filter builder, range slider, file uploader, scroll view, and more. Now, since they're all HTML5, JavaScript, and CSS, they include integrations with things like jQuery, Knockout, React, Ionic, and Angular. Plus, DevExtreme controls come with ASP.NET MVC and ASP.NET Core wrappers, so they're infinitely flexible. But don't take our word for it. Go for a test drive at dx.netrocks.com. That's dx.netrocks.com. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Simon Dalbaca. Congratulations, Simon. Yeah, congrats. Golf clap for you. <laughs> <laughs> Barad just walked by and took a picture, so we um, just continued applauding keep for applauding him. him. <laughs> We're not applauding for him. <laughs> We're applauding for Simon, and Simon yes. just won the D-Experience subscription, a big pile of awesome from our friends at DevExpress, just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you'd like to be a member, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you've got to sign up to win. And we like to ask our guests, too. Michaela, you know that we've done this before. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? Ooh, that is a tough question. Um, last time, I'm pretty sure I said hammers. Hammers? For my silversmithing. For your silversmithing, right. Right. Um, hmm, this is a surprisingly <laughs> tough question. I'd probably buy a lot more pieces for my home automation setup. Oh, okay. Mm, what stack right. are you going down? 
So I'm running a Home Assistant on a Raspberry Pi. That's good stuff. Nice. And yeah. I have a Z-Wave USB stick and mm. a whole bunch of Z-Wave components, but also a, um, a Philips Hue and a whole bunch of Hue like light strips. Yeah. And so it's 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 fairly bare bones right now. So I'd love to have you know like automatic like blinds rollers and yeah. all that kind of. All that kind of stuff, Fun stuff too. that it just comes yeah. up automatically. I've been doing home automation long enough now that I have technology deployed through my house, mm -hmm. and I'm literally talking lighting control systems mm -hmm. that have not only are no longer in business, there are none left on eBay. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and so I'm gradually as they are cooking off. So you know these are triax smart dimmers with scene controls and things like that, and I've got low voltage lighting and things wired to them, and so they fry after a certain amount of time and I'm gradually been migrating it out. So I finally committed to a new set, which I know will, you know, now that I'm comfortable with the, hey, you only get 15 years of life out of some of this stuff. Uh, mm. I'm going down the Lutron Casita line. And why is my wife accepting this? Bloody Google Go control. The fact that she could use her voice to turn the lamps oh. off and on, that got her happy. And the mobile wow. app is nice enough that configuring, like, used to be configuring scenes with such rocket science. It's like, only I could do this. So she'd sit in a room and I would turn lights up and down until she was finally happy and then I'd program the scene. Mm -hmm. and then we'd do another one. Hey, let's annoy our listeners. <laughs> okay, Google, turn off the lights. <laughs> hey, Siri, <laughs> format my phone. <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the windows. <laughs> oh, he's such a bad man. Anyway, that's where we are. Oh, look. <laughs> and look. <laughs> Your phone's trying to turn off the lights. It's trying to turn off the lights. <laughs> anyway, so is mine. I blame you. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, man. That was just yeah, a little these funny. are problems. But it's fun. It's fun mm -hmm. to get automation in place and... And started to see your house being a little yeah, smarter about what you want. It's super cool. Uh, as I'm getting more lights switched over and testing things, I'm doing stuff like uh, being able to write if this, then that against Nest detecting. I'm walking down the hall and going, oh, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Let's turn the overheads on at 10%. Ha! So just a little bit of light so you don't stub your toe. Mm -hmm. So that, that kind okay. of stuff is, you know, we start to get synthesis of all those bits together. Mm. And with five grand, I'll get you a lot of loot. Like, yeah. There's a lot of gizmos yeah. there. I really like the hue lights because I can just make my entire house look like a 3D rendering test scene. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> I've used those like, hey, it's Halloween. Everything is orange and purple. And, oh, no, it's Christmas. Everything is red and green. Like, you can really go kind of mental with that color shifting. Hmm. And, yeah, they're great. They're great bulbs. They're very, very good-looking bulbs. And, yeah, your bulb, bulb's got a Wi-Fi. means, you know, IP addresses for light bulbs. Yeah, probably <laughs> part of a botnet. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> So what haven't we talked about VS Mac-wise? One of the other big things that we announced on Monday uh, was that we now have a uh, Team Foundation version control extension for oh, really? Visual Studio for Mac. Wow. Um, so it's currently in preview, and you can install it from the extension gallery. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's early days, so we'd love to hear everyone's feedback on mm. that. Mm -hmm. um, but this, this was our um, number two requested item on user voice, wow. and we... We heard that feedback. We heard that it was important to folks, and and we made it happen. Wasn't it always, wasn't the old way to get to come in through Team City? Like there was a way for Mac developers to contribute in, but yeah, it wasn't through Visual Studio for Mac. So um, yeah, there was there's a there's a separate 
there's a separate app you can use, but right. folks really want that integrated into that. Yeah, you're building IDE. out Visual Studio for the Mac. It yep. should have that same sense of integration. Yeah, so exactly. Just another member in the team system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a long road to hoe. That's going to be a lot of pieces to make all the work. You could always push to GitHub and then have VSTS pick it up, but that's not the same. All right. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. That is very good. Uh, for, for Azure Functions. That That is very exciting, too. Um, so that's been in preview since build last year. Mm -hmm. At build last year, the preview was very kind of bare bones running on a port of functions to the mono runtime, which wasn't really supported. Mm. Um, but now it's running on .NET Core 2. Mm. Right. Um, so you have full support for local deep debugging, a um, like right-click, add new function wizard mm. that lets you pick a whole bunch of like standard function templates. Yeah, all those different trigger options. Yep. Yeah, great. Um, it's nice to have that stuff enumerated. And it's, and it's also great to have it checked into source control and just sort of manage like it's any other piece of code. Yep. What's on the horizon? What are you working on now then that you can talk about without killing me? <laughs> so I don't have any features to announce right now, but... Um, we are continuing our ongoing work that we've been doing on performance and reliability. Mm. Um, in the seven, um, in the seven five release, um, we actually uh, halved the startup time, nice, and cool. improved solution load time, uh, um, and all sorts of changes. Um, things like running analyzers concurrently so oh. results show up faster. There's lots of little improvements all over the place, and that's something that we're focusing on right now. Um, I'm sure there will be more than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, it, it's good to see that you're just continuing to, to support the product and make it better and better each rev. Hey, you guys are already into Core 2.1. Now they're talking about Core 3, although that's just proposals, really. They've clearly got miles to go yet, so I'm sure you'll stay with them. Yeah, that I... Um, I expect that to be fully supported when it comes out. Mm -hmm. um, we fully support .NET Core 2.1 uh, release candidate mm -hmm. that came out on Monday. Um, so you can already be like right on the cutting edge of that. Um, so we plan to keep up. Excellent. Uh, you m the mentioned in the blog post, uh, and we really haven't talked about this on .NET Rocks, but the, all the GDPR re regulations that all are right. coming into effect probably around the time this show's published. Uh, in the EU. Is there really something you can do in code to help us or in the tooling to help us with trying to be compliant? I'm honestly not sure. Um, all of my experience with GDPR is that it's very situational. It depends yeah, on like, what exactly you're doing. And mm. a, lot of the, a, lot of the, a lot of the difficulties have been kind of figuring out what to do um, rather than doing it. Mm. Well, the main thing seems to be every website telling you they use cookies. Yeah. Mm. That seems to be the main yeah, thing. Yeah, I see that everywhere. Yeah, there's plenty of other rules. And we're over on Run As, we did a show last year on GDPR and just sort of ran down this look, the right to be forgotten, the yep. right to know what information you have, yeah. like the, the, those kinds of things. But yeah, you know, the tool vendors aren't going to save us. It's up to us to actually write good code, protect data properly. Yep. A lot of this is just process. I'm personally excited that the EU is going to levy serious fines on companies who have data breaches and cover them up. Mm. It's like as long as you're honest with your customers and you're sort of out there doing the right thing, you'll be fine. They're not saying you can't have a data breach. They're saying right. you can't be irresponsible when you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to leave you off the hook on that one, Michaela. You can't save us. I'm glad you don't <laughs> think you can. I wish I could. Yeah, there's no... Yeah, could we have an easy button for that one, please? <laughs> yeah. GDPR compliant. Thank you. <laughs> but nope. Right. It's a lot of work. That's all there is to that. No question. Is there anything else that we missed that you want to talk about? 
Um, let's see. Did we just kind of breeze over the sort of the Razor JavaScript TypeScript implementation? I mean, IntelliSense well, is one piece of it, but it's not the whole thing. Well, it's there. That's yeah. the big news. Um, yeah, that was, that, that was a major piece of work. That's something we've been working on for the past year. Um, because in order to port those from Windows, we had to do a lot of work on the infrastructure of the text editor and the way that we integrate Roslyn. Mm -hmm. So we were working with about um, four different teams and making changes in all of those code bases and synchronizing it. And it, because Razor is like, it, it brings so many things together in, in one place. Like it looks so simple, but but it's it's actually really incredible that you know you can just combine your C sharp and HTML like that. It just works. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah you take, it's one of those things that when done so well, you just take it for granted. It's magic. Yep. Essentially. So yeah, I imagine it was a ton of work for you guys, and it looks good. Not that I've used Studio for the Mac, but you know I'm looking at the screenshots and things. It's like that looks yeah. like IntelliSense. It looks like Razor code. Well, I'm sure everybody's yep. really excited to be downloading it and using it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely look forward to hearing everyone's feedback um, on like what they like, what they don't like, and uh, what they think we should be doing going forwards. And is there already a 7.6? Yeah. I think you said there that is the a seven point six preview that was released on Monday as as well. Okay. Um, that does contain some performance and reliability improvements. Mm -hmm. um, the only new feature it contains right now is that code folding is now turned on by default. Oh. Um, cool. that's yeah, that's something we've always had, but because it was turned off by default, um, a, lo um, a lot of people didn't realize it was there. They didn't even go looking for the pre preference. Mm. So we gave that a visual overhaul, so it like looks a lot better now. It, mm. it, it's a code folding just a Contracting code yep. into okay, mm. that's an old feature. It is, it and we've had it yeah. for uh, ages, forever. Um, but, but because it wasn't in there originally, you left it off by default. But it was turned off in preferences by default. Oh, okay, yeah. So you just had to go in and turn it on, but now you don't. Now you're expecting yep. the new developers will just have it. And so, if anybody's got feedback for you, they can just tweet you. Uh, yeah, you can tweet uh, at Visual Studio or tweet uh, at MJ Hutchinson to reach me directly. Uh, we also have our developer community site uh, where you can report uh, any any problems you run into. Uh, you can access those via the help menu, uh, report a problem, provide a suggestion, and we and we read all of the feedback we get, and it does really help to uh, inform our priorities and direction going forward. Well, uh, I'll include the link to the user voice Visual Studio for Mac page because I know where it is. Awesome. I can give you some, some links for that. For sure. Thanks okay. very much. Yeah, thanks, Michaela. Thanks for spending the time with us. It's been yeah. fantastic. Thank you. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. 
Transmit a band by the FCC. Yes, I'm 